Okay. Acts 15, 36 through 41. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to, to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. Having, the, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Elisha. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was a well-spoken of by the brothers at Elisha and Economy. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and took him and circumcised him. Because of the Jews who were in those places, for all, they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered for them, for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Awesome. You may have a seat. <clears throat> so all throughout the book of Acts, we see Paul and the apostles walking with young people in the faith. In Acts 12, we see Peter, Paul, and Barnabas pick up John Mark, who will accompany, accompany them with their first missionary journey to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentile people. In Acts 15, the church in Antioch sends two men with Paul and Barnabas to deliver a letter to these Gentile believers, reminding them that they, their salvation comes by grace through faith. These men are Judas and Silas. And at the end of Acts 15, where Hudson just read, we see that Paul and Barnabas agree that they should visit the churches they have already planted, but they disagree on who they should take with them. Paul ends up taking Silas, and Barnabas ends up taking John Mark. And in our main text for today that Nick just read, we see that Paul takes a chance on this young man named Timothy. What we see here is that the, young, the early church grew young when they see... Yeah, they grew young. But we see they value also calling others to follow them as they follow Christ. You know, Tyson mentioned this earlier, that God has given this church family a vision to grow. To grow out with our witness with the gospel, to grow deep in our devotion to God's word. And this morning we're going to look at what it looks like to grow young by walking with one. You know, when I was in college, I had the privilege of running cross-country competitively, and it was probably one of the hardest things that I had to train for and compete for. And so this is our team, our junior season. Um, we had the privilege of going to nationals three years in a row, but we did fall short each year. We, we got second three years in a row. And so um, we did have a good team, um, but if you don't know anything about college cross-country, they compete at eight kilometers. And so eight kilometers is just shy of five miles at 4.9 miles. But I was not the best at the second half of the race. In high school, I ran middle distance, so I, was, I ran the faster um, mile times, but I struggled with those last two miles. The good thing is, in this picture, you see the pack there. Dakota, the guy behind me, he was a freshman, and he was strong where I was weak. His third mile, his fourth mile, and his finishing mile, he was phenomenal. 
And there was this one time I remember racing in Arkansas, and it was one of the hottest meets we had that year. There were so many people there, and the meet was called Chili Pepper. So if that gives you any idea of what we felt like running that day, that's what it felt like. But I remember running, and it started off as normal. I, I ran out. I had a good first mile and second mile, and that third mile hit, and, man, my breathing got heavy. I felt tired, and here comes Dakota. He's, he's running. I hear him coming behind me, and I remember him taking me by the hip. He even put his hand on me, and he was like, hey, let's go. We got this. Remember, trust your training. Follow me. And the good thing is is that I didn't have to then worry about my breathing I didn't have to worry about how my legs felt. All I had to do was look at Dakota and stay with him. He picked me up for the journey. He picked me up along the ride. And I didn't end up beating Dakota, but he helped me get in the position we needed to be in as a team. At just the right moment, we were step for step, stride for stride, and he carried us to the finish line. Walking with one, discipling someone means to pick someone along for the ride. The beautiful thing about discipleship is that you only have to be one step in front of another person in their faith journey. When I mention walking with one, I simply mean discipling someone. A disciple is a student or apprentice of a teacher. And so first and foremost, we are students, apprentices of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we should disciple someone we should be a discipler of someone behind us, and we should have someone who is discipling us as well. And this will be our challenge for you today and this week is to find your one, but also to be a one. To find a person younger in their faith and to walk with someone who is older. Like I mentioned earlier, the early church did this super well. And the result was the church grew, the church was strengthened. And so if this is what is true of the early church then how do we actually grow young today? What does it look like to walk with one? If you have your Bibles, open to Acts 16, if you haven't already. In, this, in our text, Paul and Silas are heading through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening churches when they pick up this guy named Timothy, this young believer in Lystra. The text gives us very little information about Timothy and where he came from, but we do know his mother's a Jew and his father is a Greek. And so right off the bat, we see what walking with one looks like. Walking with one starts with acknowledging their past. In this passage, Paul is leading, he's heading these people back to the place where he was stoned in Acts 14 by these Jewish believers. And it was in this place, Iconium in Lystra, where in Acts 14 it says that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. And so I think this is fascinating. You know, it's most likely the place where Paul first met Timothy and his family. You know, him being Jewish, he, they didn't hear the good news of Jesus. And so this might have been the first time they heard the good news. But also, if you read that, I would, I would encourage you to read uh, Acts 14, starting in verse 19 later today. But it talks about what Paul went through, because he's professing Jesus, he was beat almost to the point of death. And so Timothy has just pro professed Jesus as Lord, and he sees this image in Paul, and he's, going, he's taking the gospel with him to the point of death. Man, this is a big deal. Timothy's family probably was the ones who cared for his wounds and sent him on his way. This is important, because despite Timothy's past, his upbringing, Paul chose him as his one. 
Despite Timothy being a child of being seen as a child of an unlawful marriage between a Jew and a Greek, Paul chose him to be his one. And despite Timothy not staying true to his Jewish roots, Paul chose him to be his one. You know, I wonder who you need to take a chance on. You know, despite their past, despite their upbringing, despite the sin that they might be caught up in, who do you need to walk with? You know, the reality is, is that there's probably one person who took a chance on you. What I want you to do right now is actually to think about that person. You know, that, that, that name might have came into your mind right, right away. But if they're in this room, I would encourage you after service to go up to them and just say thank you. Thank you for showing me Jesus. Thank you for walking with me. And if they're not in this room, I want you to actually pull out your phone right now and send that person a text message. Or send a reminder to call them later because it's so important to thank those people who have walked with you and shown you Jesus because you know that it made an impact in your life. That one person that didn't look at your parents, that didn't look at your past, that didn't look at the sin you might, might have been caught up in, but instead looked at you and saw you for who you could become in Christ, it's powerful. And Logan Greer took a chance on me. And a, a long, there's a long list of people who, um, who, who discipled me over the years. Logan Greer took a chance on me. Logan was my first youth minister when I was in sixth grade. And there's a picture there. Hurry quick, take, take a picture. That's not going to be up there long. But that's sixth grade Ben. Um, and Logan realized from a young age that I, I had a lot going for me. I, I really, I learned, I started to realize that I was more extroverted than introverted. I liked sports. I liked hanging out with people. I was very social. And Logan thought, oh, man, this kid, he's going to have all the things of the world and Satan's going to attack him hard. But fast forward to freshman year of college, this next picture here, um, that's Logan and me and my parents. And this is my freshman year of college. And I had, the, I had the privilege of working and doing junior high ministry with my first youth minister. And that's actually where I met Ben Allen. We led a seventh grade group of seventh grade boys. And it was a great time. But Logan, I remember him pulling me to the side and telling me, he was like, Ben, I'm not going to lie. I thought there is no way you're going to hold on to your faith. And let alone choose to go into ministry, but he, th he was so thankful that the seeds he planted, someone else watered and God grew. You know, we see the same thing in Acts 9. Saul is a zealous Jew who's killing Christians. He has this encounter with Jesus. He's blinded by this light. Meanwhile, God is calling this Christian man, Ananias, to take a chance on this guy, Saul, who is killing people like Ananias for their faith. And Jesus calls Saul this. He tells this to Ananias. Saul is my chosen instrument to bring the gospel to all people, including the Gentiles. Maybe, just maybe, that one person you feel led to reach out to but are too hesitant first because of their past, their present, or what they're going through right now, maybe, just maybe, they are a chosen instrument of God. You know, if you're looking at yourself thinking that you're not good enough, that you'll never be forgiven for what you've done, and there's no way you could disciple someone, then can I tell you some good news today? To disciple someone, all you have to do is to be one step in front of them. That's the beauty of walking with one. You get to walk with that person stride for stride, step for step, along for the journey. Walking with one starts with acknowledging someone's past, 
but continues by addressing their potential. Though Timothy came from a mixed family ethnically, when he became a believer, the other Christians took notice of his character and his conduct. Draw your attention to verse 2. Timothy was spoken well of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. You know, by this point in Acts 16, Timothy is probably around 20 years old. It's probably been about five years since that encounter we talked about in Acts 14 where Paul was beaten and Timothy um, chose to be a Christian. And not only has Timothy adopted faith in Christ, but he also built up a reputation that other surrounding towns heard about his faithfulness. And so they're in Lystra right now, and, and, and Timothy's growing in his faith. And Lystra was about 18 miles from Iconium. There's going to be a picture here for you. Iconium and Lystra, on the map, it doesn't look like they're too far away. It's about the distance from Greenville to Vandalia. And so you see this is before cell phones, this is before cars. And so Timothy is growing so much in his faith that people are taking notice of his faithfulness. And it's that potential that Paul sees in Timothy. And in verse 3, the text says Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Man, it feels good to be wanted. It was Timothy's character that Paul saw and wanted him to partner with him for his next missionary journey. Remember, Paul has just lost two co-workers in John Mark and Barnabas, and he's in need of someone to assist him in his next journey, and Timothy was the next guy up. But we do know that this was not just a co-working relationship, but rather Paul pursued Timothy more than any other disciple, more of like a spiritual son. We see Titus and Philemon only received one short letter, yet Timothy received two, and they're, they're more passionate, and they have more personal endearment attached to them. In six of Paul's letters, his other epistles were signed in partnership with Timothy. Multiple times all throughout Paul's letter to Timothy, he calls him my child, my son, my beloved. Paul and Timothy are not just acquaintances. They walk together. Paul pursued Timothy with intentionality, with love, and with care. Now, many of you know this, but when I was in college, I served as a part-time youth minister at a church in Hume, Missouri. Now, if you thought Greenville was small, Hume, Missouri is only a town of 300 people. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, how did this city kid survive in this small town where there's not even a gas station? And I would say the good Lord was with me, right? But no, really, I grew to love this church family, this community, these students especially. That's my last youth group there. Just some of them were able to make it. But I love those kids. I love that community. And I am so thankful for Hume Christian Church and the opportunity they gave me to serve students at just 19 years old of age. And by the time my senior year came around, I had a decision to make. Am I going to stay with this youth group that I've been, been here for two and a half years? Or am I going to see what else God has for me? And it was in that moment then where I did, Greenville wasn't even on the map. And so when Greenville came onto the map, I was like, man, like maybe this is a God thing. Maybe I need to pray about this and seek this opportunity. And Greenville came out of nowhere, right? I've been doing youth ministry for only two and a half years, and the elders decided to take a chance on me, a young, inexperienced, fresh out of Bible college city kid who rolls his jeans and likes his Nikes. <laughs> the elders wanted me. They sought out potential in me, knowing that I still had a lot to learn to be successful here. The elders didn't choose me because of my GPA or my experience in youth ministry. They chose me because of my character and my passion to make the gospel real in the lives of students. 
Paul saw that same thing in Timothy. And my challenge for you this week is to seek out that potential in other believers and call it out in them. Walking with one starts with acknowledging someone's past, continues by addressing their potential, and furthers by asking them to follow. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. You know, there's a big cultural gap here. Kids out there, if you don't know what circumcision is, talk to your parents at lunch and ask them. It'll be a great conversation starter. You know, but this verse tells us one of two things. It tells us two things, right? The first thing is that though Timothy was a Jew, he never was circumcised. Whether his dad prevented that from happening because he was a Greek or whether his mother was just, she just wasn't devout. We don't know, but we do know one thing, that he was not circumcised already. The next thing we see and we know is that Paul is not circumcising Timothy because it is necessary for his salvation, but really because it would be a distraction to his witness. It explains in this verse that Jews knew his father to be Greek, and so they would have known that Timothy wasn't circumcised. And so Timothy being uncircumcised would have been, it would have caused unnecessary um, distraction, a stumbling block for these Jews who would have been encountering Jesus. But it's at this point that Paul, it's at, the point is, the point isn't, sorry, the point isn't that Paul circumcised Timothy the point is that Timothy allowed Paul to circumcise him for the sake of the gospel. You know, I wonder what you need to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Paul asked of Timothy something that would require great sacrifice, great surrender in both the physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. I don't, we, we don't really know how this conversation went down, but it seems like Timothy trusted Paul's judgment and simply followed him. Once we acknowledge their past, address their potential, we must ask them to follow. Ask them to surrender whatever might be holding them back from advancing the gospel. For Timothy, it was physical circumcision that would have put him out of commission for at least eight days. And we see the same command from Jesus in Matthew 16. Jesus is talking with his disciples. He's telling them what it requires to follow him. And he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. When pursuing the hearts of young people, we must communicate clearly what following Jesus requires of them. To be willing to die for his sake because he was willing to die for theirs. And young people, if you're on that, in that journey right now, following Jesus is more than sitting in the pew. It's more than coming to youth group. It's denying your ways and picking up Jesus. And when we do this, this is what God's word says in verse 4. And they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to the believers this message sent from the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. And the churches were strengthened in their faith. And they increased in number daily. And right after Timothy is healed from being circumcised, they take this message that salvation comes by grace through faith to these cities. And we see right away that these churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in number and like Tyson mentioned earlier, this is my main point. So if you don't hear anything today, take away this. Write it down in your notes on your phone. Write it down in your notebook. It's going to be on the screen for you. But the church grows when we walk with one. When we acknowledge where they come from, their upbringing, their sin, that they might be caught up in, and then we call them to something greater. 
when we address their potential and take a chance on them. A lot of young people don't see that they're good at leadership. A lot of young people don't see that they're gifted in certain areas. And so when we call that out, that gives them value. And when we ask them to follow us as we follow Christ, even though we know we're not perfect. And when we do that, the church grows. The church is strengthened. I remember leading my first life group when I was a junior in college. We have this thing called life group at the school I went to. And what it is is an upperclassman mentors incoming freshmen. And so this is my group of boys here. It's the best picture I could, I could get. But we are, we are helping out back Black Box International. That is a nonprofit organization that helps rehabilitate boys who have been sex trafficked. So specifically just for boys. And so if you want to learn more about that, please talk to me. I have some friends who are working for that ministry. It's great. Back to the point. That's Drew, Blake, Dakota, the guy who helped me when I was running. And then um, Lance right there on the, on the far right. But what we did each week on Sunday mornings was, on Thursday mornings, we would go and we would play basketball, we would play spike ball, do something athletic because we all enjoyed those things. But eventually that time would transition into a time of discussion and um, conversation. And over time, all of us really enjoyed and looked forward to the time we had together that week. I was able to challenge them on a lot of things, but the main thing was that they were following me as I was following Christ. I was able to show them what it looks like to manage schoolwork and to manage a part-time ministry and, and, and sports and, and pursuing relationships, looking like Christ every day. And the cool thing is that two of these four boys are now leading their own life groups and are doing the very same thing for young college, Bible college students today who will be youth pastors or any pastors in the next five years. It's powerful. The church grows when you ask others to follow you as you follow Christ. And as we wrap up, there's one more thing that we see that allowed the church to grow young that I think that we need to be aware of, and that is to allow young people to lead. You know, you're seeing that on full display today. You were probably greeted by a junior hire. Um, hopefully that was, that was awesome, a good experience for you. Um, passing out communion. We have our youth band, which they've been practicing for months for this. And so make sure you, you grab one of those kids and celebrate them. Our people up here doing the sound and the slides. Man, they're awesome. And you're, you're going to hear about the chicken noodle dinner after. So if you have lunch plans, please just go over to FLC, get some chicken noodle dinner. It's going to be awesome. But let's celebrate students right now because they're awesome. You know, all this doesn't happen if we don't allow our young people to lead. The rest of Acts 16 and into chapter 17 shows how Paul, Silas, and Timothy are continuing to spread the message of Jesus Christ to all they come in contact with. First to Lydia, then to this Philippian jailer, and in Acts 17, 14, Paul and company are in this place called Berea. And Paul is forced to leave before he wanted to. We would love to pray for you. Maybe you have that one person on mind that you don't know how to reach out to them. Come talk to us. We'd love to, to pray for you. But don't leave today without making that decision. Follow Jesus because it's important. It will change your life forever. What we're going to do now is I'm going to pray, and then we'll transition. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you for how your gospel is still true today. Lord, I thank you for those names that you've placed on the hearts of these people in this room. 
Lord, those ones that they need to pursue to walk with, but also those who have walked with them over the years. Lord, I give you all the glory and honor and praise for those relationships. I just ask that you give us confidence and boldness to reach out to those who are behind us, but also to those in front of us. Lord, thank you for Paul's example of of walking with Timothy. Lord, help us grow out in our witness, grow deep in devotion, and grow young by walking with one. Lord, you're so good, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, because he makes us new. We love you and praise you. Amen.